I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to Startup Nightmares. Startup Nightmares is a podcast that aims to inspire those who work in the startup world to do the best work they can, the best way possible, while dodging some bullets doing so. Let's just be a bit more human here. All of these people started needing stuff from me. Don't feel like you're on your own, because you're, you're never on your own. But I'm paying this person a good wage, why isn't that enough? And that doesn't make me special. What is making me special is my deeper story. People need a sense of purpose to feel motivated in their job. Wake up at five in the morning and like go to the gym for an hour. Like, what the fuck is that? You're sitting at your desk crying and you're like, what happened? I had no idea how to monetize anything. I was like, ah, everybody gets a title. You get a title. You get a title. Either pay me or I will sue you. All of our guests have been to the dark side of the innovation ecosystem and came back to tell their tale. You can use this. This is how you get there. It is not a secret anymore. My name is Tal Shmueli, and I will be your host. Efrat! Hey! <laughs> Welcome! My name How's it going? Very good. Let's say, slow down before we speed up. <laughs> who are you? <laughs> Other than the girl who can... Uh, Make anyone buy strawberries. <laughs> and I'm not even a salesperson, <laughs> right? What do you do and why do you do it? Okay, wow, that's a big one. I'm a flat fanning zone. I'm an expert in personal branding and marketing. And I do that for the last 12 or so years. I've been in tech and marketing for the past 17 years. And I started as a programmer, as a software developer. And I moved on, I transitioned into marketing early on after a few years of understanding that I'm not a programmer. And I've developed myself as a marketeer. I never studied that in university. I never had formal education. So today I'm the vice president of marketing at Mindspace, which is a flexible spaces uh, provider. We have 30 branches around the world and I lead global marketing for the company. I, I am also one of the co-founders of GCMO, which is a community of 100 CMOs in global companies out of Israel that are all running marketing operations out of Israel. It's a very vital, professional community. I also have a podcast and videocast called Market Shift about marketing and strategy in Hebrew that I record here in, in Google in Tel Aviv uh, with a partner, with Eliav Alaluf. And I also have a community of, uh, I think we're about, 4,000 people now for personal branding on Facebook. 
it's a topic that is close to my heart that I've been following and, and teaching a lot of people on how to tackle in the last uh, few years. And I have a son who is 10 and a half years old, Ethan, and I'm a single mom, a career woman. I have a boyfriend <laughs> who's a captain <laughs> of a tugboat. <laughs> so that's who I am. <laughs> why do I do what I do? I'm also a feminist and I care a lot about gender equality and, and, and women's position. Uh, in the workplace and in general, in Israel specifically, um, we're not doing very well on that subject. We're not doing very well oh, on no. that subject. Oh, no. Okay. And I think, like, I'm thinking with myself, why do I do what I do? It's clear that I have a passion for marketing. I know it. I feel it. When I do marketing, I, I just feel alive. I feel like it's my zone. That's where I need to be. That's what I need to do. I love reading about it, learning about it. I always feel like I'm learning more and more. And I think I love marketing so much because I feel like I'm making a difference because it's a vehicle for me to make a difference in the world. It's a, it's a vehicle for me to make money, to live, right? <laughs> it's my profession. But at the same time, I, with marketing tools, I can help companies or brands or people to be better at what they do, to grow, to excel, to put themselves out there, to achieve goals that they couldn't have without those marketing tools. So I really think it's a, it's a very powerful vehicle. And I think that when I narrow it down to personal branding, which is what I'm doing, I, I see that people as individuals are amazing vehicles for pushing brands and pushing companies and pushing causes. So inside the whole big marketing world, if you take personal branding as a, as a track, as a channel, it's only one channel of many things you can do, but it's a very powerful one. And I think I love driving empowerment for people and personal branding allows that. So let's stay on that for, for a few moments before going back to the um, milestones themselves. Mm -hmm. When you say personal branding, what do you mean? The combination of skills, experience, characteristics, values, even tone of voice and, and look and feel that an individual has. And that unique combination of all these things describes who you are for people out there. Because personal branding is all about perception and it's the way you are being perceived by others. And effective personal branding can differentiate you from competition or from other people and make you unique, make you unforgettable or remembered in a spe special way, specific way. But it's that unique thing, very tangible, and is very, it's, it's well reflected with, you, with your name. When someone says your name, they think of that, right? If, if I would tell you now to close your eyes for 10 seconds and think of three words, imagine three words to describe me, because you know me a little bit, you will think of a few words, you will have something in your, in your head. That's probably the perception that I have created for you. And if I've done nothing about my personal brand, you may think stuff that is not what I wanted you to think, but you think it because we think something of, of everyone. <laughs> you, you are very conscious of it. So it, yeah, I, your personal brand was not a byproduct of, of, of your work. It was an intentional part of it. For me, yeah. For many other people who are known or, you know, at least in their community, 
it comes because either they were, you know, famous entrepreneurs or they made a lot of money or, uh, you know, they, they made an exit but or it's not whatever. A, for I me, wouldn't say it's a brand. It's more of a reputation. Like, this is what you're known for as a, as, a, as a professional. This is a milestone you've achieved. And you're saying it's something deeper. It's a feeling of I know you or I know what you're about. The difference between good PR and personal branding Because anyone can do PR. Like if you have the means and you decide that what you want is to build your reputation, you can hire a communications consultant, for example, and put your money on PR and say, I want to now make myself famous or known for something and build my reputation. You can do that. But the difference between that and a personal brand is when you build a brand, you want people to relate to you and to connect to you and your values and what you stand for and your agendas. And for that to happen, you have to open up. You have to share, you have to show who you are, you have to show your different colors, mm-hmm. you have to show the different things you do, the results you get. If, you, if it's all like a PR machine, then yeah, you can create that persona, that reputation that you're looking for, but it will be very specific. It will be very like... Sterile and inauthentic yeah, in a way. And, and people know that very well from, you know, politicians or... Celebrities, it, it happens every day, a which is fine. A lot of coaches and authors have these really polished uh, um, sorry, websites and, uh, and uh, landing pages that are very not humble. Yeah, and it's fine because it, it, it depends what you do it for and why. Maybe it's part of your profession and you need that, which is okay. I think that it's just way more powerful to... decide that you are going to put yourself out there to have people connect with you, follow you and, and listen to you and be generous at the same time, open yourself up so they can get something from you. You give them value. You don't, you don't just show yourself. What's the um, potential downside of a personal brand? Uh, exposure. It's not always easy. People are not always, you know, in Hebrew we say lafargen, they're not always supportive and, and uh, encouraging of other people. So when you take ownership of your successes and you stand up and speak for them and show them, some people will say, oh, it's bragging. Some people would say, uh, what does that person have to brag about? Just because they're jealous, just because they don't do it, just because so for every they don't want to... Nine nice things people would comment, there would be one person saying something mean or... I'd say it's, it's more on the one out of a hundred than one okay. out of ten. So that's one downside, exposure. Yeah. The other downside is, um, and I don't want that to, what I'm going to say, I don't want that to sound bad or it's not what I intend to do, but... You just become very, very busy because everyone wants to ask you something, wants to, this is very typical for Israelis, I want to pick your brain. Can I have a coffee with you and pick your brain? I can't have coffee with everyone. Your time becomes a commodity. Completely. And if I had left my job, my full-time job, and went to, to do a full-time consultancy in personal branding and just sit with people for coffees all day, every day, then... That would make sense because I would charge for every, that, every one hour. But you just become very busy and it's just not very convenient to say no to everyone. I can't meet with you in person. Because that hurts your personal brand. Exactly. So you got to find the way to refuse and at the same time be nice 
be accommodating and maybe even give value in another way. So whenever I try to, it's something that I'm working on because it's not easy, mm -hmm. but whenever I say no to someone, I come with a, with another solution. Maybe you can approach that person or maybe I, I recommend other people or maybe here's a list of articles that I wrote or podcasts that I participated in. You can listen, you can join my community and ask questions there. There are 4,000 people who are all talking about personal brand. Like there are many things you can do, but there are some things I can't do. The other thing is that when sometimes people would reach out for advice and you'd say, listen, I'd love to help you. I've spoken about it at length at this podcast or I've written an article about it. Have a read. If you still have any questions, That's let great. me know. Mm -hmm. Gone. Disappear. Yeah, I do that many times. That's why I prepare it for myself. A list of materials or resources that I can send to people when they ask me something about personal branding. Do you find that they, they respond to that read and say afterwards saying, yeah, I've read it. Thank do. you very much. Mm -hmm. They do? Most of them do. Okay. Yeah. That's good. Now, The importance of personal brand and the reason we're spending time on it is because the more senior you get or the more specific you get with what you want to do, the fewer opportunities are out there. Mm -hmm. And an executive at some point has to know there might be some gaps between the opportunities. I want to challenge you back. Please, please, please. <laughs> I'm please. not sure that there are less opportunities the more senior you come. Okay. I think that... If you are building your personal brand correctly, I mean, correctly, like you're doing it right, you will forever have opportunities. They will just look different in every stage of your life and your career, okay? Because you're opening yourself up to the right opportunities. I thought like you, and I thought that, you know, once I was VP of marketing, now I've narrowed down my, my pipeline and there, there are only so many relevant opportunities that I can get. And then I decided to take that time off between my previous job and this one. And I was super scared. I was like shaking. And I was talking to my psychologist. I was telling her, you know, you're crazy for telling me to take time off. Like, there are not so many opportunities for me. I need to work to get the next one. And she said, hey, you forget who you are and what kind of power you have and what kind of brand you've built. I, I'm here to remind you because this is what you do. And you tell me that every week when you come here. But you can stop. Like, this is for you. This is fine. You can stop now and rest and do whatever the... Can I say fuck? You can say... Whatever the fuck you want. <laughs> and I was scared that... You know, opportunities are not going to come or I'm not going to I'm, I'm going to waste my time and not work at getting them. And I just I let it go. Like I I do what she tells me to do. <laughs> That's a good advice to just listen to your psychologist. And I took my time and I was not panicked. I was not rushed. I did what I wanted to do. I traveled. I did fun stuff. I took care of myself, of my son, of my boyfriend, whatever. And things just started coming and they started coming and started coming. Some of the opportunities that came, that came were not relevant for me. And I had the luxury of saying no, but because I was not pressured, because I was not stressed, I could really take a good look at everything that came and narrow down for myself, refine it even more, what I am interested in, what I'm not interested in, and go through that process until the right thing came in. But it just came... It just kept on flowing because I was continually in action. 
putting yourself out putting there. myself out there continuing to share myself continuing to build my brand did what I believe in I have a few agendas that I'm working towards and I'm continuing to to advance them all the time so I was out there and as a result of that people kept remembering me seeing me offering me stuff I mean most people are full-time employees or they're independent there are not many people who do both and there's this new species of people who is doing both you are a full-time employee and you have something from the side and you have your own business or you have your own community or you have your own initiative whatever it is cause and you advance both or maybe more than two things three things but you take them all seriously and you build them throughout time and so when you go to your next uh, interview your next uh, workplace you say that you don't hide it it's part of who you are I have this I have that this is who I am this is the package do you want the package it includes all of that right and that's a different type of employee a different type of worker for the workforce one that doesn't hide you know their their life from their employer from their workplace one that brings everything in and I think that that creates a lot more diversity in people and in talent and you get people that are a lot more interesting to your workplace and that can help you One of the misconceptions around that, especially in startup world where people require super high engagement and high commitment, is that doing something on the side takes away from your day job, yeah, makes yeah. you less engaged. And I can't think of a bigger mistake. I know. I agree with you. I think it's a big mistake. And it also, it's very hard to convince your bosses that that's the right thing for you and for the company. What I advocate for and what I believe in is that you need to convince just by showing. The moment you start bringing in your other initiatives, whatever they are, into your workplace and show your workplace that it is benefiting the company or the brand, whatever it is, then they want that. They want you to continue engaging in that. If they see that as a result of you having a community of uh, like-minded CMOs, you become better as a CMO or you went for an educational session about X and Y and you came back knowing it and now implementing it in the company, wonderful. It's a little bit like that old-fashioned uh, world of, of, HR, of training in HR that we know. You would send your employee out for training, he will be better at what he does, he will come back and then implement it in the company. So let's look at it like that. right your your other your your secondary activity whatever it is can be your that training can be that thing because you have created it and you know what's good for you you have chosen it it must add something to your life to your skills to your expertise and of course you bring that back to your company and if you don't it's a mistake right you have to show how it brings value to your yeah to your company there's two extra benefits one is that it takes the load of the employer to um, own your growth and development mm-hmm. I don't need you to handhold me as I progress professionally I look after my own business mm-hmm. I'll do what the job requires me to do but I'll also look after myself and prepare myself for the future and make sure that I'm feeling fulfilled mm-hmm. so one takes the load off of them and the second thing is that the When a workplace allows you to be who you are fully, you are grateful for it. 
you don't want to leave. You don't want to leave. You love it. You love the workplace. You get to be and who you are. And that's the number one mistakes of companies today, that they hold on to their uh, human resources in such a crazy way, thinking that if they let them be present out there digitally. They will have the LinkedIn profile well done and they will post stuff and they will go to that networking session and that meetup and they will be on a stage talking about something and be interviewed somewhere. It will take away from the company. And that's such a big mistake. It's a little bit like the parent that doesn't allow the 16-year-old to leave the house and come back late because they're afraid of what's, what's going to happen. You just have to let go because if you want let them do it, they'll do it anyway, right? That's just how it rolls. So it just doesn't make any sense today doesn't to, make any sense. to prevent people from growing outside the company. Two things that have happened to me. One is when I was working for LinkedIn and I was trying to sell into an advertising agency, I said, listen, I'll come, I'll give you a free Rock Your Profile session. I'll work with your employees to help them rebuild their LinkedIn profile so the company looks amazing online. Mm-hmm. And the HR lady says, not interested. I don't want you helping them find their next job. <laughs> like, lady. lady if this <laughs> place is not good, they will look for a job with or without they're you. They're already right? looking for their next job if this is, if this is the mentality. Yeah. Your job is to keep them happy. What is the importance of a personal brand in such a climate? It is super important. But if you do that because you think that that's your winning ticket for your next job, then you shouldn't be doing personal branding. You should be doing personal branding if you have the intention and the commitment to yourself to, first of all, define for yourself who you are, what you stand for, and what your goals are, what you want to achieve with that personal brand, and then consistently take actions to put your brand out there and not stop when you get that dream job when you want it or a job okay you have to continue doing it because it's personal branding is not a patch it's not a band-aid that you put when you have a wound it's something that you do ongoingly you want to carefully define for yourself what your areas of expertise are what topics you're going to discuss where you're going to discuss them. What are the formats that you're going to do it? Is it going to be in a dialogue? Is it a podcast? Is it your writing? Is it a video? Whatever. Is it just through visuals? There are so many ways to convey your messages. Um, And then start doing it, but doing it consistently. The reason the format question is so important is because if you don't find something that befits your character and your communication style you won't be able to persist and and you have and personal branding is done well only when you're comfortable if you're uncomfortable if you feel that you are forcing something that you're putting on a a a persona and you're acting it will come across and people will see it we are sniffers for that we we know to smell it when it's not authentic. So you really have to do some work with yourself to define what you're going to talk about, what you're comfortable with talking about, what you're not comfortable with talking about, that's as important. And then what is the format that works best for you? I am verbal, as you said. (laughs) And so I choose that format. Dialogue and verbally works so much better for me than writing, for example. And if I do write, if you take a look at my social media posts, they're quite short 
I don't write long formats. If I do, it's once every blue moon. I encourage you to, to ask yourself those, the right questions. What kind of content, what kind of format for that content works for me and stick to it. And it doesn't have to be more than one or two formats that work for you or topics of interest. One or two, really. You don't have to start big. With time, you may acquire more, but start there. I want to I give another uh, um, kind of a nudge of encouragement is that the fact that it's called personal branding doesn't mean that you automatically uh, know what you need to do. It's personal, yes. It's an extension of who you are and your values, yes. But it does take experimentation and it does right. change. And even till today, when I'm doing it for so long, I still change my... You know, my definition of my own personal brand, I revisit my page. I have one pager for it with my characteristics, my values. And from time to time, I change it because we're, we're people, we're dynamic, we change. So you do have to visit it and be agile with yourself and, and also be forgiving with yourself. And the reason why it's so hard to do personal branding is because it's personal. And we are, it's so much easier for us to talk about other people to look at what other people are doing, to, Judge, talk, to criticize assess, them rate, criticize. completely. Completely. But when it comes to ourselves, it's very, very difficult. And to do that initial work, normally it's very, very hard at the beginning, but then it becomes easier. When you do it one time and you do it well, and you define for yourself what your personal brand is, then you just start talking it and it becomes easier with time. So, but you have, you have to go through that hurdle to talk about yourself. I think also comes from the word personality, not just because it's something private and personal, because personal branding is not always about revealing private stuff. It's about showing your personality. That, that's what I'm learning more and more with time. I had a tough question for you. Oh my God. I don't know if it's a tough question, but let's see. Let's see. So you left a, a VP marketing role in a very, um, I don't want to say a very public company, but a company that was very well covered media-wise, a lot of attention. Mm -hmm. You were at the heart of it for a good few years. And you went on your own. And then how long was your, your time out? One year. One year where you're not associated to a company. Yeah. How much would you say in percentage did your personal brand contribute to your income? To your During that one year or now? Now. Oh, of course it did. I can say that... Uh... You mean my wage, my salary? I have requested a good amount of money for my time and my position that women don't always ask for. And I got it because, you know, I show what I do and people see what I do and it's out there. It's hard to, it's hard to argue with that because it's out there and people know and they, they also reinforce that third parties talk about me in the same manner so it's very hard to argue so it does elevate your profile it elevates your reputation immediately and you can ask for things that otherwise you couldn't have asked and the reason i stopped on that i mean i could have asked the 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 probability that i would get it is lower i think because the company would still get a cat in a bag in a way They you'd go through the hiring process, you've got all the credentials, they've spoken to the, ref, to, the, to the references, but they still don't know how you perform. Yeah. And when you come with a strong, solid, consistent personal brand, it's undeniable and you flip the funnel. It's, we want you, tell us your price, there are limitations, but they understand. 
Yeah, and I think that throughout that year that I was uh, not with a company and I was consulting to some companies or taking projects, I met with, I can say, more than 150 people about job offers or project offers or different things regarding employment. And I can say that out of that 100, 150, I had one engagement that was an interview. Out of all those 100 or 150, all the other ones were coffee meetings or discussions or a meeting, you know, not an interview. It's not on that level anymore because they, they, they feel they know you. They've heard of you. Someone recommended you. They want you. That it's, a, it's, a, it's flipping the whole, the whole process. The whole process. You're a talent. They want you rather than you chasing it. So for all the cynics out there that think personal branding is a waste of time and it's inauthentic, we've just counted countless reasons to invest the time, to experiment, yeah. to find a way it pays dividends and it's especially critical in this day and era. And the requested caveat is it's not a patch. It's not a sprint. It's not a sprint. It's a marathon. And Tal, it has to be authentic. If it's not like your real stuff and again it doesn't have to be private it's what you choose to show but it has to be authentic when i speak about marketing i want to bring my personal opinion about marketing topics i don't want to bring another textbook quote okay so i have to think i have to show myself it does require something from me but it has to be authentic and i need also to share things that don't work for me from time to time. I don't need to, but I choose to. And again, doesn't have to be private, can be professional, but we all have hardship, right? This is called nightmares. <laughs> nightmares. We all have nightmares in our professional life. It's not everything is easy and you need to know how to show that too. Did you ever lose your voice? Like, what do you mean? Not knowing how to communicate what you're going through, a time where you couldn't communicate? always know straight away how to communicate what I want. Sometimes I wait. I let it sit with me. I sleep on it. I am a person that likes to digest things, so I don't run off to share everything. I do. And when the time time's right, it comes out. And I trust myself. But I do have a system of not forgetting. And when I do do something that is related to my personal brand or my professional life that I think will contribute to my personal brand, I log it, I write it down, I have a Google Doc that I just put there everything that I do towards my, my brand. Can you put it as a template for others uh, to, have a, to take your own personal brand? It's available on my LinkedIn profile and I can share it. <laughs> no, seriously. Yeah. I, in every talk I give, I show that document, I give that link to people. Seriously? Because I, I was think joking. No, but it's the best, easiest tool ever. I record all my stuff from 2004. 15 since we met till, there you go. till today. <laughs> yeah, so I have nine or 10 pages of stuff. Talk to us a little bit about the transition from corporate into startups. I met up with people and I looked at many offers. And then this headhunter came with this stealth mode startup called Aerobotics. And I listened to what she had to say, not much. And then I spoke to them on the phone. And the next day I went for an interview. Who did you speak with on the first call? with the vice president of business development. Okay. 
And we set a time to meet the next day. And I went there and I met with Ran, the CEO and co-founder, and with Yael. The next, the next the day. next day this is this, next, is, this israel. is startup like, this is israel i was talking to him at 9 p.m <laughs> on on a wednesday and on thursday morning i was there and we we had the meeting and they showed me their competitor analysis and the market and the product and we talked about what they had done so far and where they're at and they're in stealth mode and no one knows about them and i saw the drones that you were describing and And I saw the hangar, and I saw the people, Ran and Yehel and everyone else, young people, very enthusiastic, very cool. Like, we spoke to, the same language straight away. They came to do work. These are hustlers, oh, yeah. 100%. They, they, yeah, they, they know what they're doing. And I looked at everything. I looked around me. I looked at the competitive analysis and all the other drone companies in the market and where we are, we, where aerobotics was positioned at the time. And I said, this is mine. I need to be the person that takes all this fun stuff and builds it, wraps it up, and takes it out. It was really hard. It was very, very difficult, mentally and physically, and I worked long hours. But I had a plan, and I worked my plan, and I went to meet the board of directors of the company, including the CEO of Waze, Noam Bodin, and uh, our investors, and really great people in Silicon Valley. And I showed them my plan and they said, looks great. How fast can you do it? And I told them July, August. And they said, mm, too late. And summer vacations, June. Said, What? But it's seven weeks from now. I said, oh, tough luck. I said, okay, let's do it. So it was really, really hard, but we did it. And on the day, also PR, PR and content infrastructure, which is a whole other world. Right. And, and what I did is I launched the company with a bang by making sure that there is one big publication that is global enough and wide enough that once the story goes out, it goes out everywhere. And so we, we really tried to reach the news agencies, Reuters, AP, Bloomberg, and we got Bloomberg and they wanted to do the story. They have people here in Israel, so they came and they did the story, they interviewed, they brought their photographers and took photos, and we we gave them an exclusive and on the on the day we we launched the story, and everything was ready to be switched on the moment the story goes out, the moment the story breaks and because Bloomberg is a news agency, once it goes out on the bloomberg dot com it goes out to thousands of publications around the world in different countries. Through the Bloomberg agency and that's what happened before we knew it like less than 24 hours after we launched we were huge in Japan <laughs> and we didn't even aim for Japan but it was picked up so well and because Japanese love the gadgets and the robotic stuff and it's so robotic hardware innovation oh, yeah. autonomous so huge like action on Twitter in Japanese on aerobotics I didn't know what to do with it What am I going to do with all that traffic from Japan and the, those tweets? And they started creating videos for me. They took whatever material I put out there and they started scrapping and putting videos. I mean, people, just people that were fans. And it started like that. And with time, it continued and aerobotics gained a lot of attention. Another unique part of the aerobotic story is the fact that the guy, it's not unique in its own right, but it's unique in the podcast context is that 
the guys who started the company are army mates. Friends, yeah. From, from the, the army, army days. They served together in a special unit. Mm-hmm. And afterwards, one of them had an idea, bought the other one, who bought the other one. And these guys are, they know each other intimately. Yeah. And it's such a close, knit group. Mm. They communicate almost automatically and also in a very specific, Israeli, brief, machoistic way. Not necessarily bad, it's very effective, but from someone who is new to the company, new to the industry, who is a female without that legacy of, of time in the military together, how did you manage to kind of assimilate yourself into the company? Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. It was, it was not easy. They are great people. So I was very lucky to work with them. And I can say that Ran is a visionary in everything he does, also with the company and the people that work in the company. So he, despite the fact that he had this close, close group of, of friends, he wanted to bring someone who's an expert in what they do. And so he brought me in and he was determined to make me part of that group, <laughs> right? To blend me in and to make me work well with everyone else. And they did. They became my friends and we worked together. We did have our clashes and it wasn't easy to be the only female in a room full of testosterone. I must say that. And, and they it, know that. And it was a big room and, and I, it was full. And yeah, we had our <laughs> arguments. We had our clashes. But I'm not someone who shuts up very quickly, right? So I stand up for myself. I had some moments that were super hard that I, you know, I think there were at least three times and Ram knows that that I, I said, okay, I'm not coming back here tomorrow morning. That's it. <laughs> enough. I quit. And, it, and we talked about it every time, but I, it was very, very hard. In startup life, you get to such peaks of emotions and mental stress that not only that you have your professional pressure to do well and to get you to your, to your um, KPIs and your goals, but also you want to please the people you work with and you want to 
have a nice environment and all that. So it's so stressful from a mental and a professional uh, point of view. And I had my breakdowns and I did uh, threaten leaving, not coming back <laughs> three times, but, but I made it. I must say that there were times where I felt that that squad of friends is something that is very hard to penetrate and be part of or be or you know get my way around and when that happened because it did happen several times when when I felt like I I wasn't included or my opinion didn't count enough I stood up and I think that that's a mistake that most females in a company do especially when they're in decision making positions they don't stand up for themselves it's hard it's very very difficult But we have to do it because we show example to all the other women in the company and because we also want to break out of that loop that we're in. There are so many men in tech and especially in high rank positions and not enough women. And so if we do want to break that loop, we have to stand up. We have to show that we can deal with that. Sorry, crap. Right. And. You know, and, and show our strengths, show our power. Uh, it was very hard for me at some times, but I, I never gave up. They knew, if you ask one of those guys today what they remember of me or what they think of me, they'd say that I have my elbows, that, <laughs> I, can, that I can stand for myself. You can myself. get your way around. Yeah, yeah. I argued, so, I fight. <laughs> so, you know, you were hired by VP of Business Development, said yes. CEO said yes. But then there's another 17 dudes engineer, product people, whatever, that, that needs convincing that you are the right person for the role. And they don't know marketing. Yeah, but that happens in every company. You know why? Because people think they know marketing even when they don't. Marketing is something that everyone thinks they know because it's out there. Because they have an opinion. They have an opinion. And it's so similar to real life that they look at it's visible also they look at what you do they go mm, I like it I don't like it mm, it shouldn't be that way it should be that way but they have no professional experience they just judge it and criticize it according to their personal opinion not because they're equipped to do it um, so it happens in every company it happened also in aerobotics like it does in many others but I think marketeers especially ones that are good marketeers and and climb up the ladder to be CMOs with time they develop their mechanism to to handle those objections or those criticizing people to fast forward yeah. into your current gig mindspace is a co-working space it's an Israeli company expanded quite rapidly and you walked into the shoes of the VP marketing when two months before Quran started when you took the role you probably had to present a plan. For how you're gonna how you're gonna grow the brand scale. how you're gonna scale create <laughs> differentiation in a saturated marketplace I grow my team <laughs> and the then the plan was to grow from 10 people to 15 people I shrank from 10 to five okay <laughs> that, let's start with that <laughs> it's startup nightmares let's start with that nightmare It's very hard to go into a new position and the first thing, the first significant, that's for me, it's the most significant thing I had to do is to let go of people and, and, and to keep a team, a team. They, I need to keep something there so that we can 
continue working and building something in the future. I don't even know how to start unpacking this, but how quickly into your role with Mindspace did you understand that Corona is happening? I think I was in denial because on the 6th of March, I still flew to Amsterdam. 6th of March. It started to just die down very quickly. And so I had to deal with, you know, halting a lot of the work we did, letting go of some suppliers and subcontractors, sending people to furlough and, and then continue working with my team that was left there. Sounds very sad. And then being at home. And we're an office space company selling offices during Corona time. It's not ideal, right? <laughs> so every, this is our time to cry. What? I don't, oh, what do you do? What, yes. Like what? <laughs> so I think the first two weeks, what I did was being shocked and allowing myself to be shocked. I knew that I am going down. Like I knew that I'm not doing well and that I'm, not like that I'm really being hit by what just happened and I let it happen because one of the things I've learned is not to resist what's happening to me. So I let it happen. And then by the end of these two weeks, I physically literally broke down on my, where was a toilet floor. I remember breaking Glorious. down, like really fell down. Yeah. It is a start of nightmares. Are we in the right place? I broke down. I cried. I cried really like, tears. tears like I cried for a long time because I felt like I have no fucking clue what's going to happen what is this this is super hard and people are leaving everywhere like around me my plan is long gone <laughs> and this does not look anything like what I signed up for right this is like completely different than what I had imagined and wanted and so I broke down And I just released everything. And I, I think I cried my pain out and my anger and my frustration because I wasn't going to leave because I liked the company and I liked the people and I like challenge, right? I said that before. So I just let it all out. And then I picked myself up and I uh, spoke to my boyfriend and I told him, you're still going to love me, right? Even if I am down during this time. You're still going to be there for me. And he said, of course, I'm going to be there for you, idiot. Like, I love you. <laughs> and I said, okay, that's all I need to know. Thank you. There's one right answer and he nailed it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I said, okay, at least I've got that. <laughs> he loves me. <laughs> Let's carry on. And then my son, is he fine? He's fine. He's doing okay during this crazy. Okay. So that's fine. My house fine. My family's fine. Everything's fine. And from that moment on, I started climbing up. I, I needed to get to that lowest point. It always happens like that with me. And I just started building back my confidence and my trust in myself. And I think that when I got divorced 10 years ago, that was the real lesson for my life of, of how to recuperate and, and bring myself back together from a crisis. So I have some experience with tough times. So I knew how to bring myself back up, started building myself, my confidence, remembering, like looking inside, remembering who I am, what I'm for, what I care about in life, and, and then looking at my professional environment, although I'm at home, but looking at my team and thinking, similarly to how I was when I got divorced, when I got divorced, I said, I look at my son, if I'm not going to be happy now, 
he's going to suffer from it. And I have no intention to let him suffer. So I'm going to work on myself so that he can be happy. And I did that. And then now, <laughs> Corona time, 10 years later, I'm looking at myself after that breakdown, looking at my team saying, okay, I've got five people left, but they're the best five people. And I trust them. And I can build great stuff with them. And I had fought to have each and every one of them there with me. And the first thing I said, I'm going to be great now because they need me, because I need to be great for them. And then once I'm great, they're going to be great. And I'm going to make sure of it. I'm going to build them. And that's what I've done. And professionally, I very quickly took on a creative idea of one of my team members and we launched a project called Virtual and we decided that if we don't have physical spaces to provide to our customers, we're going to have virtual spaces. So we created a portal called Virtual and we did online activities once or twice a day. We did retention. At the same time, we didn't know that that's what's going to happen, but a lot of people that are not Mindspace customers were very interested in what we did because we opened it up to the public and they participated in our activities as well. We got like 2,000 new leads during that time because of that work that was not, we didn't sell any office during that time. We just retain, retained the existing customers and, and customers were very, very appreciative for what we did for them during that time. We also gave out furniture to, for people to take home. It's their office, you know, they can take it and bring it back when, when they come back to the office. So we lend out furniture and office supplies we did many things for the community. We hosted NGOs in our spaces. But my focus was on what can we do when there's not much that we can do, what can we do to help the, the community? And here I am, what, four months later, uh, still Corona time, right? The, the next normal. And my team is with me and I have their trust. I have the company's trust. They know what I am capable of. We're building pipelines again. We have demand off the charts in Israel and Germany, which is amazing. Um, not in other UK and US, not active still, but but we're 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 kicking it like we're doing it, and I'm loving it. I'm loving the company. It's such a weird onboarding experience. <laughs> like I'm still I'm still trying to kind of reconcile the momentum. And then the break, and then climbing back up under all of this uncertainty. Because how you build a plan when this thing has no expiry date? You build a short plan. We go by three-month cycles. And we just, we, we do something, we measure it, we then decide what we do next. We do something, measure, and plan ahead. It's so funny because, you know, we're talking about marketing and startups and whatever, but it's all about love, right? <laughs> because if you don't love what you do and you don't love people and you don't love yourself, then there's no drive. There's no motivation. It's... It takes me to a very philosophical place because love is, is freedom. It's many things and it's often nothing that we associate with work. It sounds almost privileged to be talking about love when we're talking about crisis management it's a very big abyss to bridge but love is the answer yeah. <laughs> what are you talking about love is the answer if we bring love to crisis we can start handling it the best work we do will be done when we love what we do so yes. if we have to start building that uh, 
that uh, that argument then then love is a love is a is a tool in our toolbox if you can do what you love automatically you'll do better work yeah. if you can work with people you love you're going to go the extra mile in order to make sure that they're successful and you're successful so so it is a bridgeable gap but at a time like this i mean you can't just love corona away <laughs> you can't just fill spaces yeah. with 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 you're love right. yeah of but course it's i think the oxygen that that we need to keep going throughout this time yeah, it's the context It's the context, but then what else do you need during crisis to to do well and to manage? I think you need to be very uh, goal oriented focused, work in short cycles. you have to be a great communicator. I know everyone's saying it now it's, it's a bit of a cliche, but if you can't articulate your thoughts well and your concerns, your problems, your challenges, and get to resolutions. You will not handle remote work so well unless you are an introvert and you work with your computer and that's it. But if you have a team and you rely on other people to get results or you rely on other departments in the company to get results, you have to be a great communicator and you have to work on that on those skills and you have to not be shy from speaking up and and um, and standing up for yourself. I want to add to the communicator piece two pillars one is to be a good communicator. you need to be a great listener. Yeah. Oh, yeah. This is yeah, just the way, just the way it is, and it's especially hard when so much of the contextual, spontaneous communication has been taken away. As in, yes. you don't get to see people in the office, how they come in, when they come in, how are they like, what are they are like when they're on the phone speaking to other people. So you have to listen in in a different way. And the other part, if you are struggling with communication or you're not sure you're going about it the right way. Optimize for transparency. Optimize for transparency? What do you mean by that? If I feel that I am not articulate in explaining what I'm going through because I'm going through something drastic and very hectic, I can say, this is what I'm going through. Something hectic yes. and drastic. Um, I might be clearer or easier to understand tomorrow, but today this is where we're at and we're going to work to fix that, to add clarity, to have some structure. explain where we're yeah. going with this yes you have to be I think that those are traits of a good manager um, a good employee as well but as a manager it's super important that you are transparent with your employees with your uh, peers with your boss and I think trust is is a key word especially when you work remotely you have to trust people that they do what they need to do that they don't you know fool you or you do stuff behind your back, but really are devoted and committed to the workplace. You have to build that trust with them. And trust is all a matter of showing value. If you show value to someone else, they, you build trust with them. We haven't spoken enough, I think, about gender equality. I mean, we touched on it. We see that in the tech industry. We see that in other places. There are not enough women in boards of directors. You see a lot of very male women oriented boards of directors a lot of the CEOs of startups are males entrepreneurs I'm sure you will you'll be uh, and the money allocated to female companies <laughs> is a portion of the money that that male uh, entrepreneurs get and it's just so irritating now in 2020 to see that because we are you know as talented as fast uh, if not 
look at the results of coronavirus now with female leaders around the world, you know, dealing with coronavirus so much better than male prime ministers or presidents uh, without naming anyone. But we all know, right? Yeah. And it's it's been proved again and again in researches that diverse companies are doing well, diverse boards are doing better, diverse management uh, teams are doing better uh, if there are women in, in the... I would also argue that We don't need Deloitte or whoever it is oh, to yeah. put a research that says diverse workplaces do better. It's a fundamental human issue, not a business case. It just pisses me off so much. And so I'm, I think that, that we need to, if we're talking about startup nightmares, it's a nightmare that startups don't have enough women in their workforce. And I do not accept all those answers or excuses of, There are not enough women out there or there is not enough talent out there that is relevant or there is not enough speakers around that topic that are females. It's all bullshit. We do have to be active about it. We do have to take specific actions to make it happen, but it starts with us. And if we start educating our daughters to go and do more tech-oriented uh, professions when they're young and then in university we increase awareness and then in the army and then... in their first jobs, and we open up for women right from the beginning, then the whole system is going to change upside down. We have to make that happen. And if our prime minister doesn't find a seat at the table for a woman, then no board is going to find it for a female board of director, and no university is going to find it for a, a female student in computer science, which I was, by the way. But we have, to, we have to do it. So, you know, that's something that I wanted to mention that I thought... We may have not covered enough. Startups have to be more active about it. Like you have to take actions. If you have questions on what kind of actions to take, you have questions on what kind of actions to take, I'm happy to talk about that. Like I'm happy to, if people have uh, questions because there is an answer for everything. I can give you a list of speakers. I can give you talents. I... So once the intent is there and you put some, some deliberate action time and effort into balancing the playing field there are ways to go about it of course even in recruiting I, I don't take like I know companies for example genie a startup uh, here in Lishpon uh, that does um, uh, food tech they have a cool device by the like way. a small microwave that uh, yes pre-cooked genie, meals. Yeah, yeah, their yeah. CEO is Ayelet Carasso amazing female entrepreneur there are two founders and they have decided male and female That their company, no matter what, is going to be 50-50 balanced, women and men, if not more women. And all of the engineers that they've hired today are mostly female, and there are some males as well. But they are conscious about it from the beginning of the company. They do not hire if there is no balance. So it can happen. I mean, you can take them as a case study. There are more companies like that, but it's doable. What strikes me so odd about this um, inequality, the way it persists, is that if you know anything about Israel, deep inside, this country, at the end of the day, is managed by moms. Completely. The most important societal function yes. in this country mothers. is mothers. They are yeah. the, the, the propellant. They are the biggest force. Without them, we are fucked. And I think that's what's important in the... protest that we are leading right now if all women really unite about that and just go enough is enough then we can really 
put a strike uh, to the economy here. Uh, and we need to remember that, that we have very strong power. I also want to add that one of the reasons why I chose Mindspace, for example, after having so many proposals, is because Mindspace has an equal management of four women and four men. We are eight people in management, and we have a CFO, a VP of HR, a VP of Design, and a CMO, myself, all women and four men. And it's quite remarkable to be part of a balanced team. You feel it in the company. Overall, in the company, we, are, we have more than 70% women. And, and you just feel the, the different energy, the acceptance, the diversity, and things get done pretty well. <laughs> Females work well. <laughs> women work really efficiently. Even when they have kids and they have to go home early, like they work fucking well. So I just, I encourage that so much. And that's one of the reasons why I chose that company. And people should know that if they want great talent, great talent comes to diverse companies, not to any company, not just because you have a cool toy or gadget or, you know, or a software to sell, but really because your values and what you stand for and the way your brand behaves dictates who you are as a founder or, or as a leader of, of a company. Thank you for this. Pleasure. Hugely important. It could have been the topic for the episode entirely. <laughs> I have to admit that uh, when we build a list of guests here, it wasn't easy as we expected it to be to create a 50-50 balance between men and women. We had to work twice and three times as hard to uh, convince mm-hmm. female founders and executives yeah, and operators. We have our fears as well. You're right. And it wasn't easy, but every time We successfully book a guest, a female guest to the show. It pays dividends because the ability to speak in resolutions, like high resolution, medium resolution, low resolution, high level, low level, is immense. The <laughs> introspection they bring with them is huge. And also the communication is done in such a way where I don't feel I have to win in, a, mm, in an interview. Debate. Exactly. There's a... There's a Good, nice, pleasant exchange, even if I'm being challenged. To finish off, in fact, I can't thank you enough for coming in in the middle of what is a busy week and a very, very fast-paced career. It's been a masterclass in leadership, in personal branding, and in gender equality. Thank you so, so much. We look forward to seeing you again, and we hope you and Mindspace come out of this crisis stronger than you were when you came in. Thank you. Thank you. It was fun. Cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to PrettyLitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.